I'm Stephen Jack Butella. And I'm Jill DeWitt, and this is The Land Academy Show. This is episode number 1,958, and today we are talking about why these mountain towns, Jill and I are actually in... Uh, Just outside of Carbondale, Aspen. Yeah. Carbondale, uh, Colorado. Why these mountain town real estate pricing is so messed up in Jill's words. And then how you can ultimately profit from it. So mm-hmm. uh, it has to do with taking a look at land values versus ho- housing values and things like that. And then a little bit later on, we're going to talk about how uh, being a business owner is the only real viable way to create uh, wealth. Yep. So we are coming to you live, well, not live, but we're coming to you from we're right between um, Glenwood Springs and Aspen, Colorado. I am wearing my Colorado sweatshirt today because I am lovingly supporting the Nuggets, who have just taken the NBA basketball championship title, if anybody knows. we It was so fun to be here in a sweet little local yeah. bar. Uh, in Carbondale and celebrate with with everyone else the their win here Colorado it's not technically our state but right now it feels like it's our state it feels like it's home to us right now so we're having a good time and I'm excited about this topic because this is so fascinating to me so um, I'll save it I have a lot to share and I'll save it for the actual uh, show here Jill and I are in week one uh, maybe maybe week two actually mm-hmm. uh, probably what will end up being a three maybe four month national uh, RV trip we're in the center of Colorado right now mm-hmm. and so what we do we you know we tow a little Jeep around and and uh, what we always do is drive to these little towns and mm-hmm. look at real estate and not because we intend to look at real estate it's just by default that's who we are that's right so we figured <laughs> we'd talk about what we're finding and and uh, and where there's just, we're, we're looking for opportunity and finding it it's amazing. Yep. It's really amazing. Each week on the show, we answer uh, questions from our Land Academy member Discord forum. We review land acquisitions from our weekly member webinars, and we take a deep dive into two land-related topics by popular request. I just mentioned those. If you want a sneak peek of what goes on on Discord, it's actually really interesting. Go to landacademy.com. It's free in a kind of a view-only mode. Mm-hmm. You know, and also, if we we pull questions from there, we also pull questions directly from you via texting to us. So feel free to do that. If you want to text us a question that we can answer here live or on our podcast, or uh, just want to get involved in our community, we read them all. The number is 480-530-7383. Check it out. So Michael wrote... Uh, question. I am new and researching counties and zips, but I need funding for whatever I buy. I want to know what size property and what price point on the sell side would be attractive enough for a funder to go in with me and hold my hand in the process. Obviously, the split is negotiable. I'm just looking to learn the process, but make a little as well. Good. Also, what question should I be asking here that I am not? Jill's going to answer this question, uh, but I have to tell you, you have the absolute right attitude. Take it a little slow, learn a lot, talk to a lot of people, funders, see what kind of deals they want to do. I I love this question and how it's worded, and Mm -hmm. I think you're absolutely on the right track. Well, here's a good example. I'm looking at a deal right now that you don't even know about. It's a buy for $100,000, sell for $300,000. I think that's a little rich, honestly. The 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 deal funder who presented this to me uh, said they talked to a local broker, land broker, who thinks they could list it. They think they would start listing at three thirty, right? So I'm like, all right. I look at it this way. 
if it all goes sideways and we bought for 100 and we sell for 200 are we both happy with that and i'm like yeah i think we we kind of would be so that that's enough uh, for me to get involved even and it doesn't even have to be that much i'm going to say i mean here's the thing don't worry about it michael because there are so many people of all levels in land academy that are very happy to split $5000 for yep. with you and there's some that are happy to split $50000 with Absolutely. you and if you need more experience and you're willing you know, and you're willing to say, hey, I realize I'm going to need more handholding here. I'm happy to take less than 50 percent. I'm happy to take 25 percent, you know, whatever you guys work out. Uh, and you just say it like that, like I'm open to it. I understand that the more help you need, I need, you know, the more percentage you're going to want because you're doing the deal with me here, too, or maybe more of the deal then I get it. And that's that's exactly the right way to present it. For me, so yeah, so don't worry about the money part because there's all levels in here. That That's really it. Whatever makes sense to you even, that's what I'm going to say then, end it on this. If you're happy splitting five grand with somebody, then you will probably find somebody. If you say to yourself, there's no way I'm going to work that hard for $2,500. Now I need to split at least 10 grand with somebody. Now, you know, that's your starting point and you should be mailing like that. So that means you want to target properties where maybe you buy for 20,000 and you sell for 40 or 40. 50. Yep, that's I mean, a great that's place a great, to start. That's a great place. That's a good, sweet spot. And then everybody is kind of happy with those numbers and you know, you're going to walk away with at least probably 10 grand, no matter what else you guys, however you work out the percentages. And uh, that will get you going. You know, think about it. You do like three or four of those. Now you have 40 grand. Now you can start making some different decisions. Maybe you start looking at different properties. Maybe you don't need anybody else's funding anymore. And soon, maybe you're the bank for somebody else too. There's people at all levels in our group. There are mm -hmm. people at the tip top who have limitless funding. Yep. Um, Joe and I have done some pretty large, uh, not recently, but large housing you know, mm -hmm. buy for 400, sell for 480 uh, kind of thing. <clears throat> and, you know, we've got multiple people that are in our group that are asking for more. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we do rational splits there. Mm -hmm. uh, real quick turnaround time. There's also people, there's more people in our group that have an extra $5,000 because they're buying and selling land and they want to get into the funding business. So if you need 5000 to do a deal mm -hmm. and you're going to split ten or 15000 there's lots of people that are really interested in doing that. Totally. There's people in our group that have no intention of ever... Uh, sending a mailer out they just want to fund other people's deals so you will no matter what the situation is you'll find it yep they know how smart this group is yep. that's the bottom line <laughs> today's topic why mountain town real estate pricing is so messed up and how you can actually profit from it so here's a little bit of the backstory and this always happens we don't set out to do this but like i said earlier jill and i are dragging on this little jeep around in, in a large rv so we get the the uh RV tucked away in the RV park usually, detach the Jeep, and then we um, take a look at a map and kind of Jill and I just sit down and, and plan out time-wise what little towns we might go to depending on where we are, whether it's going to be a fishing stop, we don't know, or a shopping stop or, or whatever. Bike riding. So it happens to be that we are, we're in the center, uh, north, well, center of Colorado right now in Carbondale by, at the time of us recording this. And so... We, of course, we decided, both of us, we have to go to Aspen. So we drove out to Aspen about 30 miles away. Mm -hmm. 
There's yeah. a bike path, by the way. I just want to point that out. And I've uh, <laughs> I've been to Aspen in the past, mm-hmm. uh, in the very distant past, a long time ago. And of course, it's all built up now. But what shocked us about this town specifically is that they have property listings, house SFRs, listed for forty and fifty million dollars. That's like more than beach prices. Yeah. Like it's two thousand dollars a square foot. That's like on the coast of Santa Barbara beach. That's Montecito on the water mm-hmm. beach prices. Right. Which I can kind of almost justify, but. And then there's neighboring yeah. towns all around uh, that area. There's a little town called Redstone, uh, one called Marble, where literally they they marbled, um, they mm-hmm. they they uh, mined marble for the monuments in Washington D.C. back mm-hmm. in the like day. the Lincoln Memorial. Yeah. So in those houses, there's houses there, th- three four hundred thousand dollars. You can buy a million dollar house, but you don't need to. And this is you know 15 miles away. So I really. Jill and I in the car had a very long conversation about this and decided to uh, talk about it on the podcast. You know, who's buying these houses? That's the whole thing. Why? What's this all about? Yeah, I'm having... So here's the thing for me. I'm having a hard time justifying it. So think about this. You want to be in downtown Aspen. Well, A, you don't want to be in downtown Aspen because it's busy and noisy. But you want to be in in the area where you can get to things, you know, and have some land too, by the way. It's like these prices are almost not they're just almost not even making sense you know who really parks their money there why would they do that do you what's the difference between a four million dollar house and a 45 million dollar house nothing i can drive 20 miles and find the same house for four million Mm -hmm. and it's 45 million there and my four million dollar house might be on a bigger lot well it's very safe to assume that if there's 40 million dollar houses in any environment there's a market for it yeah. So the question is not how the house is getting used. It's t- for me and what the hell the house looks like. I could care less. I'll leave that stuff to chill. Mm-hmm. For me, it's the math. So yeah. let's start with the math. Uh, for a $5 million house, you know, your mortgage is going to be around $28,000, principal interest taxes and insurance, all of it. Uh, at $28,000, an anesthesiologist, because we're asking ourselves why and who's using this real estate and what's the deal. The average, not the top end anesthesiologist makes about 600000 a year, and they can afford a $25,000 a month mortgage. You know, with the rational interest rate, I've got 6% in here. So great. That's a market for doctors on vacation. We all understand that. As, yeah, as but, but by the way, where's their primary residence? We didn't even factor that Probably in. Probably somewhere where there's hospitals. Okay. I mean, but they got to afford that too. So great. Yeah. So I'm, I'm getting to all that. Oh, okay. Cool. So yeah, exactly. That's right. Yeah. So they've got their primary residence. Hopefully they have some equity in it already. Yeah. Uh, but how do they get here? Because they have weak, it's a job. Right. So these towns have to have an airport, a commercial airport in general where you can get a flight in from Los Angeles or from Las Vegas or where there's large markets for people who are employed. Right. At $50 million, you know, I just did the numbers on $5 million. At $50 million, you add a zero to everything. So now the payment <laughs> is $300,000 a month. Doctors it's can't afford that. Silly. Doctors groups can't afford that. Right. And so that's not the market. Uh, the Fortune 500 CEO, their average salary is $16 million this year. I looked this all this stuff up. This so is can cool. Afford, they can afford a $600,000 mortgage. A month. Okay. A month. So, oh. And this is 300000 at $50 million. So, But there's only 500 CEOs in, a, in Fortune 500. And of course, the Fortune 1000 and on and on and on. 
see the, the percentages go down, the uh, salaries go down, but that's not a target market. That's such mm-hmm. a tiny little micro market. This is the good average, numbers. I love this. He's got a spreadsheet here that I'm peeking at. It's the really average cool. household salary, this is average of all people in this country is $130,000. That's okay. two people making, you know, divide by two. Right. They can afford about a $3,000. 25% of that is uh, about a $3,000 mortgage. So, again, we're running the numbers on a $5 million house. If you uh, take a zero away, it's $500,000 house. They can almost afford that. It's just shy of that, actually. So that's not the market. So who is buying these houses? Well, it turns out it's us. It's all the people that own companies, like land investment companies or small manufacturing companies or government contractors or cleaning, you know, large, large scales cleaning service or an IT company or, you know, there's tons and tons and tons of what everybody likes to call small business owners. Uh, but I don't feel like a small business owner at all. Not today. <laughs> <laughs> if you make five million bucks a year, well, let's just start out at a million and a half. So the last career path Jill and I did, uh, where we taught career path, we asked everybody in the first, uh, very first module, how much money a year do you want to make? Mm-hmm. And everybody, this last career path was pretty rationally said, I'd love to make a million bucks a year consistently. Mm-hmm. So at a million dollars a year, you can afford for your, for Jill, you're right, one residence, uh, mm-hmm. a, a mortgage of about between twenty and forty thousand dollars a month. Mm-hmm. Well, that fits right in with that fifty thousand dollar mark, and that's the real market. So Meaning, well, what's the, the they mean the five hundred or the five million dollar house? What's the fifty thousand dollar mark? I'm sorry, uh, if I could if I could afford a twenty to forty thousand dollar mortgage, how much is my house? Five million dollars. Okay, that's that the low end is five. It's five, okay. t- five to nine. Okay, cool. Uh, for one residence, Joe's right. Or okay. if you want two of them, so you can get two four million dollar houses very, very easily. Any bank with, if you have rational credits and you have consistent track record of making a million dollars a year buying and selling land, they're going to finance that no okay. problem as a mortgage. But we're not here to make a million dollars. No, I'm not. At five million dollars a year, income. Got it. Now you have uh, 20% of that disposable income is $100,000 a month. Now you're, you're approaching a much, much higher number. You can actually, it's actually 100000 to 200000 So you can uh, afford, a- easily afford a $20 million house. They're building these houses for us. That's true. Are we spending it? Jill and I would never do that, ever. I have a top number on any piece of real yeah. estate I'll ever spend it on, and it's way, way, way lower than $20 million. Yeah. It, it's closer to 10% of that. Because you, they had a benefit, you just don't get it. So what's the real deal? So I went, again, Jill and I went and really looked into what's going on, and here's what's happening. If I, Jill and I, go buy a $10 million house that we maybe use five times, Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't rent it out. We don't do any VRBO nonsense in a very predictable way with a reasonable amount of risk. That house is going to be worth $5 million more in a few years. True. And I've got this, it's inflationary. So I, I'm, uh, I'm hedging against inflation because it's real estate. Plus, we don't, we don't go out on the MLS and pay top dollar for anything. We go and buy undervalued real estate. True. So this whole market is for us. Isn't that amazing? That's part one. Part two, and now this is for everybody. And I don't mean us, Joe and I. I mean people who buy and sell land, mm-hmm. or anybody's got a small business mm-hmm. that you That's know good. that generates some dough. Part two is 
What I love about these mountaintown markets, even the small ones and the inexpensive ones, the variance, this is all on the MLS, so I would encourage you to go out and look at it. Start with Aspen. The variance in the land prices that are on the MLS and the housing prices are massive. So if you see five, eight million dollar house values in a town like Aspen, and you see $100,000 infill lot prices on the MLS, you know you can go and buy those for 25 or 30%. So now you've got 30, 40, $50,000 infill lot pricing, and you can probably sell it for $100,000, 100 to 200, maybe $300,000, mm -hmm. and still be well with the variances. What am I pointing? The volatility slash variance in some of these markets is, is just amazing to me yeah there's it's rooted in a massive amount of opportunity and then to pour uh, sugar on top of that there's a huge affordable uh, affordable housing issue in a lot of these markets because there's a lot of support staff that's needed in, in these places that uh, they have to drive out of town pretty far substantially far to rent a place or own a house lots of opportunity there mm -hmm. mobile home opportunity and all kinds of undervalued real estate opportunity in in these places that have a huge disparaging uh, yeah, it's interesting. We just, in some of the towns, not Aspen, of course, but some of these little mountain towns that you're just, like you're mentioning, they need the uh, the uh, experience, they need the cleaners, the waiters, all the staff to run a resort, run a restaurant, you know, fill in the blank. The small business All these services. Bar, bar owners and all of that. Service industry stuff. They're having a hard time affording it, which is really, really interesting. So some of these small towns, I got to tell you, um, have passed very interesting laws that are allowing things like tiny homes slash RVs on lots in town to at least get people places to sleep. You know, I'm not necessarily... Um, I think we need to do more, obviously, and really come up with some good housing solutions, but they're trying to be creative, and I do appreciate that. That's that's the hard part. So, yeah, that's great. So, we're talking about Aspen. Yeah, where do all those flipping people work? Where they live, where they work there? They got to drive, and it sucks. That's the hard part. And what if the weather's bad? Now we even have more problems. So, it's just so uh, interesting to me, and I love your chart, and I loved your explaining that. And uh, part of me feels, yay! Oh, good. That that means that uh, we can do that. But I'm like, why? Why? I don't. I don't want to be in that. You know, I. Jill's. Um, I can hear it in the back of Jill's voice. Right. <clears throat> how much this topic and talking about five million and ten million dollar houses motivates her. Oh, kind of makes me mad. It, it makes her uh, want to sell more. For oh, us. well, there is that. You know, want to buy better real estate and sell for more. Yeah, I, I love that that motivates you because it motivates me. Not that we're ever going to do anything about it. True. We're not. We're, you know, we're in our sleepy little class ARV and it's just fine for us. You know, what's nice about it. Just knowing what's possible. That's the bottom line. You just spelled it all out. And that's really who it's for. Because I did leave that the other day going, who the heck can afford this stupid stuff? Oh, did that kind of explain it? Yeah, now I got it. It really, it's like, it's us. It's kind of designed mm -hmm. for us. I'm like, shush. But we, I'm not necessarily sure we should be doing that just because we can't <laughs> afford it. That's the point. Love it. Let's take a look at one of our favorite land acquisitions from our uh, weekly Thursday member webinar. County, North Carolina, two acres. We have access she inherited it from her dad. Houses are next to it. New subdivision a few minutes away. 
No flood zone, very private area. Concerned about the railroad tracks. Accepted price again, 30. I love your pricing you're going for here though. Yeah, me too. 38,000 bucks, sell the 65 to 80. The late, the neighbor lot sold for 54,000 in 2019. Dug into the HOA and the owner knows nothing about and appears to be inactive. Margin percent isn't very high, but confident we can make $25,000 quickly. We need to hear back from a real estate agent. Well, if, cause you're, cause you're going to fund it yourself. Then if I make 25 grand really quick and I don't do a lot of work. That's what I think. I'm kind of okay with that. Me too. Especially if somebody else is going to sell it. And I feel really confident about that. All right. Let's look at the A's. Acreage access adjacent. Acreage, two acres. And relatively, it's larger property that's around here. Access. Yep. Let's see if this road really exists. The number of parcels available across the street concerns me a little bit too. It stops right there. Yeah. I go. Well, there's properties here. So the, I think access is great. Yeah. They're coming into here. We're going to check the value of this in a second. I'm curious how old that house is. 540000 next door. If I'm going to check this. Prep, this. Mm -hmm. uh, so they sold in 1995 for 90,000 and then they put a house on it in 84. So they paid, but that was a while ago. Okay. That's making sense to me. Numbers me now are not what they used to be. Yeah. Completely. So I totally buy that. I'm good with that. And these people are jumping up and down because their home went up. Just like the colonial heights. So both of these properties, these guys have chosen very interesting markets. Both of these properties are what I think are very urban. And so what happens when properties are very urban, this is my opinion, and I don't mean downtown, you know, downtown Raleigh, I just mean adjacent to the metropolis. Joe's exactly right. There's a right side of the tracks, a different side of the tracks. Uh, and so the neighborhoods can become very, very different, even just a mile from each other or half a mile from each other. So what's important is to find, you know, microscopically value, which Joe's alluding to is just, just dead on right. We need to see how many properties have sold in the, you know, this is the comparison value area or how, let's say how this is doing. That's look how different they look. Yeah. It's really different. It's not about is, is access just easier over there to buy tracks of, means Fayetteville literally, Road literally the tracks versus coming in off an almond, right. you know, whatever that street is. I have a few concerns and I'm just, I just think that might be reflected in the price. So these properties, like this property, I'm going to do the Jill test here. In 2013, it sold for $45,000. And then they went and built a house in 2016, $320,000. What they think. So her, again, Jill's question is then why, if it's, this is all working, why aren't these done? Yeah. So I'm not saying, and this is a single use property. You're only ever going to put a house on it. Right. So the question you have to ask yourself is, what's the price of this property given all this stuff? You know, I would, on both of these deals, Carl, I would, yeah, I would take them to the next level mm -hmm. at the price and everything I, it passes. Mm -hmm. um, but I would do an extra level of due diligence to see if you can sell these things. And my universal rule is, oh, geez, I'm on the fence about this. Everything works. I'm just not sure. Then it's got to be cheap. Right. We just, Jill and I are getting the initial results from a, ma a mailer we sent out a large one. And in probably 50% of the properties that came back where they said, yeah, we're going to sell it because of what's happening now in this market and a bunch of other things that I know about that micro market, we're all going back in there and saying, yeah, it's got to be cheaper. Mm -hmm. So this isn't just, we don't just save it up for Thursday. Right. We're personally going through this too. We mean it. When we say we're doing deals right there with you, oh, we are. Yep. So on both of these, <laughs> I understand 38,000. Mm -hmm. I would want to get this for like 10. That's my thoughts. This is what the Thursday calls for. Yep. 
and we we have your con- same concerns. Jill, you have something to share about our new career path dates? Oh, I do. Thank you for bringing that up. We have just announced Career Path 7 and Career Path 8, which are our last two sessions that we will be having this year for 2023 for Career Path. What is Career Path? It is an advanced, actually, it's our highest level, advanced uh, in personal, taught by us, small, uh, in capped coaching program, if you will. It's designed for someone that wants to make this a career, whether you are coming from another industry and you've had other companies, you know how to run companies and manage people, and you just want to make land investing your thing now, or you've been working your way up. You started, you've done deals, you know what you're doing. You're like, now I'm in it. Now I know this is what I want to do. Anyone who wants to make this a career, career path is for you. Uh, It will be at the end of September. It goes, uh, there's eight weeks starting at the last week in September. We have Saturday sessions as well as Wednesday sessions. So lots of amazing flexibility there, by the way. Where can you find out more? Go to Land Academy forward slash career path. Uh, and you can see all the details. You can schedule a call. You can fill out an initial application there. And if you have any questions, always just send a note to support at landacademy.com. There's usually between 20 and 40 people. Uh, in the career path sessions and they range from people who've never done a deal to people that are make six million dollars and want to make a year and want to make ten and so you're surrounded by people that have a lot of experience Jill and I included yeah so well this one will have 40 caps so we're gonna do 20 like 15 to 20 people on Wednesday 15 to 20 people on Saturdays okay, good. that's all we're doing because we want to give you the attention that you deserve Let's take another question posted. But my point is, if you want to be in a room full of people that are making a lot of money buying and selling land, this is the best place. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Let's take another question posted by one of our members on the Land Academy Discord online community. Again, if you want a sneak peek, go to landacademy.com. It's free. Sid wrote, uh, oh, but first, we have a comment here, and then we have a question? Yep. Okay. So, but first, we have a, th- a little note from a, from a sweet member named Sid. He wrote, my partner and I were fortunate enough to purchase a 160-acre ranch last January with the help of a couple of investor friends. The purchase price was $765,000 plus another $15,000 for a contractor to clean it up and mow all the pastures. We closed about two weeks ago at 1.15 million cash. Biggest check I've ever had in my account. And my partner couldn't believe this could be a business after all. (laughs) I love it. We are now back to normal size acreage, but always on the lookout for an elephant to wander through. I love that. Sid was just in our most recent career path. Mm -hmm. Good job, Sid. He's real vocal on Discord too. Totally. Love it. Okay, so here's our question. Daniel wrote, Hello, I am new here and I'm looking at a 12.37 acre commercial property. Local realtor says it's worth anywhere between $100,000 and $150,000. The commercial land is heavily wooded with no permits on record, but in a fantastic location off a major highway. There are nearby houses. The seller wants $75,000. Would a funder, you know, buy it at seventy thousand, and uh, go through the county process and get the permits to ensure that we can sell it around one fifty? There's an expired listing on the property for two hundred thousand dollars back in twenty twenty. 
Is getting permits to add value a common way to do this before selling? No. Yeah, I have a lot to say too. Go ahead. Okay, so I here's the thing. Okay, wait. The seller wants 75, so I'm not sure where the 70 is coming into. You think you can talk him down five grand? Not sure how much of a difference that's going to make if he's at 75. If it's been listed for 200 and he's always in his head taking 75, why is it not sold yet? So I have a lot of I have a lot of questions. Yep. Turns my, out I'm not going to have to help you at all. No, no, no. My 75 this. is like, I wouldn't even pay that. Now it's like, shoot, if he knew he would take 75 and he hasn't got 75 yet, but he listed it for 200, there's just all these problems going on. And by the way, who's this local agent, you know, that's hanging in there with nothing for 200, you know, when he knows the seller would take 75, I think... At the end of the day, the 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 if he had the right broker, he would have listed it at eighty five, knowing the seller would have taken seventy five, and it would be sold right now. So, what does that mean to me? Well, that means I want to buy it for twenty five and sell it for seventy five. So I don't think there's a deal here at all. <laughs> Look, well, and I'm definitely with, not doing anything with to it. commercial property. Uh, even you know, especially if it's in a great location, uh, and you've got it posted where you should, like on Crexy and LoopNet and all that. Um, there are people, commercial property is being going to be sold to one of two people, two types of people. Number one, the end user, somebody wants to build a building, uh, spec building, maybe they manufacture parts for airplanes or something like that, or there's a distribution center. But anyway, the user, uh, the company that the, uh, the owner of the company is going to use the property. It's not as common anymore as it used to be. Used to be, you have to own the real estate lot back in the day. It's just not off balance sheet companies off balance sheet real estate is how companies big companies do things this, these days this that which me it brings me to buyer type number two which is a, a real estate person like us so they would build a warehouse and lease it to amazon or lease it to that person or whatever and usually on a spec basis fifty thousand dollars on a 12 acre incredibly lo, well located property makes no difference at all and so what jill's i'm backing up what jill said you got a broker saying it's worth a hundred to one hundred fifty thousand, and an expired listing for two hundred grand. Yeah, I, I it would I've, have been sold. I goofed on that one. I realize now that was from twenty twenty, but still, yeah, you're right. It, it, fifty fifty thousand dollars is peanuts compared to what the rent factor is going to generate for that person. And so, if somebody wanted it, they would have bought it. Uh, so I think it's way overpriced, uh, but we'd have to look at it to see. We could really give you a great opinion if we looked at it, which is what we do yeah. on the Thursday calls. Would you do this deal? I hope he does bring it up on there. The final point is we never, almost, almost ever do anything to the land uh, to when we, before we resell it. Can I say why? Yeah. Because we've tested that, and every time we do it, we <laughs> kick ourselves. Like, why did we bother doing that? You know, I got to tell you. What if you it, pull permits for the wrong thing? Well, it's a 30,000 square foot warehouse instead of a 300,000 square foot. Yeah. You have to go through How the process anyway. Yeah. What someone's going to want. You really don't. You just have to buy it really cheaply and sell it inexpensively so that your buyer can go off and do whatever they want and, and properly convey, here's what's possible. I haven't done it, but I know you can go this direction and this direction or this direction. That's the best way to sell this thing. I agree. Thank you. The point here, and as uh, Daniel, I know you're new, which is great. Welcome, by the way. It's very hard for some people, uh, and this is a compliment actually, very difficult for, for people to realize all we do is buy and resell. We don't improve. You know, what Sid did in the comment earlier was great. I mm -hmm. mean, he hired somebody to, to clean the, the ranch up. 
it's probably all overgrown and whatever. It's just so, so you could for 15 grand go out there and do it and to make it presentable the same way you might paint your house to resell it, you know, to make it a little bit more presentable after you used it. So it sounds not, like we're, it sounds really, like we're eating our words a little bit because not, Sid did it and it worked, but that's not really that's an improvement. Not true. That's just clearing weeds. True. You know, so they can still see what's possible. A permitting process is going to take you a year. Good point. You don't want to make sure people can access it. And that might have been really what Sid did. Made it so that someone can drive out there and access it. And I understand that. You're on your way, though. Yeah. Good for you. It's good. Today's second topic is called how being a business owner is the only viable way to create real wealth. This topic is an extension of our first topic. I want to drive this point home. If you are bent the way Jill is, and and I have always been just wired for to create wealth for yourself, you're not going to do it in a W-2 job, even if, even if you're an anesthesiologist. And the chances of you uh, becoming Michael Jordan, pretty slim. Uh, about as slim, in fact, maybe slimmer than being a Fortune 500 overpaid uh, CEO. So forget about those things. For the rest of us who are breathing in and out reality every day, you start your own business. And I don't care what it is. I don't care if you want to make airplane parts out of your garage. And I know somebody who started a business like that, Jill and I do, and he's multi, he's doing extremely well. He's a lot older and it took his whole life, but you know, it paid off. And so starting your own business is the own, only real way to create wealth. What's creating wealth? What is that anyway? What does that mean? Well, here's a very brief, probably boring, less than 30 seconds because Jill's going to kick me under the desk if I go more than 30 seconds. I don't care. Way. Well, a description of what this means. Mm. In accounting, there's an income statement and a balance sheet. On your income statement, it's how much money you make. So that's what it's called. I bought a property for 100000 bucks. I sold it for 200000 and I deduct my expenses. How much mail did I t- uh, send out? I had to buy a computer and on and on and on. And I've got a bunch of money left. At the bottom of that income statement is how much money I, I have left. I pay my taxes on it. And then I shove it over to my balance sheet. And my balance sheet, when I start out, is zero. Well, now I've got ballpark $75,000 on that balance sheet. Then I go do it again. Run it through the income statement. I generate $75,000 again. Now I have $150,000 of wealth. This is the way it's been going on since, you know, before the Civil War in this country. It's, it's basic accounting. So now you're creating wealth for, for yourself. What happens when you're an anesthesiologist and you make, you know, half a million dollars a year, you've got a bunch of money left over, you spend it, you spend it, you get taxed into oblivion on that. And the W-2 tax rates are atrocious. If you have any money left over and if you talk to any W-2 employee, almost none of them do. You shove it into your balance sheet. Usually uh, at that, it's a for, in the form of a, of a uh, savings, uh, savings account or a retirement account or 529 for your children or on and on and on. It's very, very difficult to accumulate wealth any other way than being a Fortune 500 CEO, a Fortune 1000, Michael Jordan, or us. My turn? <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you, Sunshine, for that. <laughs> For that beautiful. I don't mean us, Jill, and I. I mean land investing people. <laughs> Thank you for that beautiful. <laughs> How boring was that? I don't know. I don't want even to call that. So anyway, here's here's what I want to talk about. This okay? I look at this like okay. We're, we're talking about this money we talked about in the first part of the show about who 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 can pay for these dumb houses? Is it even worth it? And then you realize, oh, that's me. Maybe I can't afford it. Do I even want to do that? So I look at like, let's all take a step back here. And my whole point is having a nice life, 
this is my goal and I hope it's your goal too. And there's so many things going on in the universe right now that I'm, my head is still spinning. Every day I get up and I read the news and I'm more confused than I was the day before. <laughs> I'm not kidding. I'm like, so do we go to the office or do we not go to the office? Are we doing this? Or are we not doing this? So I work for myself. Well, well, wait a minute. How come the DoorDash guy doesn't get to work from home? You know, but I'm working from home. I expect DoorDash not to work from home. My mechanic can't work from home, but I want to work from home. You know, and Elon Musk says nobody gets to work from home. So I'm like, and I thought, and I love me Elon Musk. Maybe now I don't like Elon Musk. I don't know. You know, it's so confusing you have right to decide, now. Yeah. What? I, here's what I think. What kind of life do you want? And I know what I want for me. And I want to live a nice life. I want to have a lot of fun. I want to travel. I want to be outdoors because I flip and love this. I love land. I love looking at land. I love taking adventures. And the only way I can do this is to be my own boss. And the best way that I've found to be my own boss and have a, not have to work that hard is buying and selling something that doesn't take a lot of time, but, but brings in a lot of money. That's it. I can't have a, what if I had my own restaurant? I couldn't be doing this. If I was, you know, fill in the blank, uh, you know, the manufacturing thing, I couldn't do this. I even know a lot of really hardcore, very, very successful um, house flippers, right? They can't do this because there's there's an, always an emergency where they got to be there to tackle it because nobody showed up and it's on them now. They physically are tied to these locations, that's the whole thing. So what a beautiful life we've carved out. And I, I, I'm just telling you this because I want you to know this is possible. And what's great about it is when you find something that you can you know, buy for 20000 and sell for 50000 and do it once a month and live on 30000 yeah, it's a pretty easy, nice, sweet life. I want you to know that's possible. I still haven't found anything else. And again, no, we've tried. Yeah. Boy, have we tried to, I mean, all kinds of interesting industries. Oh my goodness. The What's funny is we gave up that location thing. So we would be, we've tested this knowing that we'll give up the location. We've got to be here to do it. But do we get the same returns that we can get? And we can't. I can't find anything. So this is great. And I'm not willing to do the stock market thing, especially that I can't stomach it. And I don't think it, I really can't get the same returns. Yeah. I've looked at that 15 different ways and uh, there's a risk factor and all that yeah. that, that doesn't meet my criteria. And I can't count on it. Like I can count on this. Mm -hmm. I can't wake up tomorrow. You could buy the best stock in the world, right? And then next thing you know, there's an earthquake in that country. And you know, it's something like that you can't account for. You know, that's with our land and all over and how well we spread it out. So, it's the greatest thing. So I hope you buy into this. Uh, step point one here, my point is, you will not create any substantial wealth in your life by, in general, by buying rental properties. Mm. The only way that you really create wealth doing that is by when you resell it. Yeah. You buy a 10-unit apartment building, lease it, maybe clean it up, allow pets raise the rent rental rates this is all going to take years uh, and a lot of crying uh, two years multiple yeah. years you're going to raise rents nobody likes that uh and you're selling on a cap rate probably the same cap rate but that you bought it but there's a higher rental rate mm -hmm. and your fixed mortgage is the same that's a long way to go you know property management managing other people's stuff uh you can go get 500 management contracts if you're somebody like joe pretty quickly and create an amazing amount of wealth for yourself and so my big point here is you have to be a business owner to create any real wealth, and especially if you want to do it quickly, which we all want to do. It's true. Her point is, it's a frosting on my point, 
is how many p- opportunities do you have where you don't have to be present? Yeah. It's just and extra. Manage your team of people. Mm-hmm. If you're a property manager, you're going to be running around all day. Stuff's blowing up. Your, yeah. your day is packed with fires that you're you have married to You're married to your phone. I don't yep. want that. Mm-mm. So I'm not saying buying and selling land is the only way. It's it's the way that works for Jill and I. And I think there's other opportunities out there. So yeah. just uh, my point in this, if you're listening to this, my point is to motivate you to understand that having a job is not an exit. And being a Fortune 500 CEO or Fortune 1000, probably for most people, certainly not me, is not an exit. And playing professional uh, basketball is not either. So... <laughs> This is good. Let's think of other occupations that would not work for us. Jockey. Nope. Couldn't do that. Uh, Anything that requires a tremendous amount of attention and intelligence is not going to work for me. You could have gone the race car driver. Yeah, that I'm not good worked. enough. I, try, I tried oh. on two wheels. I tried that. And it's just, you know, I just All didn't right. have it. Okay. Let's see. What else? Vet? I can't stomach that. No, I'm not doing that. Think about the number of people who want to be a race car driver and then the number of people who actually are. True. Then think about the number of people who want to be a land investor and actually are. And it's a much, much, much tail end bigger number. You know what's great about this too is what we do and like we didn't we didn't have to grow up and think about the drummer we were talking about the other day in I can't remember what country. He's he started playing drums and he was two years old and people say I don't even remember his name. I don't either. But they say he is the most technical, technical drummer of all time. But he started at age two. Well, that ship has long sailed. You know, it's, say you want to be, you know, a Stuart Copeland, right? You know, level. You can't start now. Well, you <laughs> could, but you're not going to be that good. Probably not. You needed to start a long time ago. Yeah. Fortunately, in our world, you can start late and have a good life and a nice income. Whew. Good thing. So and I have, uh, behind closed doors, have long said this sentence to each other. And it comes up often in, in all kinds of... Uh, contexts. If you can't live on five thousand bucks a month, something's yeah. really wrong. So of course we have the different life now. You know, we we live on much more than that. But we lived on five thousand dollars a month long before we started Land Academy. Mm-hmm. Before we when we joined forces in the, the real estate downturn around mm-hmm. two thousand and eight, happily, mm-hmm. we took some saved up money, both of us, and uh, bought a, a old town for a dramatically reduced price. Old town. Uh, condominium old town scottsdale Townhouse. lived in there lived there for, for a, a couple of years together and had had a rip roaring blast yeah. mortgage free uh i don't know if some months we probably didn't even make five grand buying and selling land and doing some other stuff so in you don't you know times. you could and then created some wealth just like you know i'm putting my money where my mouth has started a, a really kicked up i yeah. found out what joe was capable of sales wise and kicked up my acquisition process she kicked up her sale process and we created a huge amount of wealth really quickly true it allowed us to start land academy which mm-hmm. was a massive time consuming you know a huge amount of expense that we sh- had nothing to show for for years so you can do it and don't be afraid of it i was gonna say i'll end on this for me because this is a common topic in career path a lot of people in career path are like okay i'm ready to we're ready to be at your level that's why we're here like yep or even just in land academy we're here to learn exactly how but that's what land academy is by the way all land academy is is us sharing how our own businesses run so you can copy it and cookie cutter it and do the do it for yourself make it for yourself that's it that's land academy and then career path is taking it even now like all right we understand the basics now we want to bring it home that's career path. But one of the things that we talk about a lot is, 
okay, now hiring, it's one thing for myself to make this income and do it on the side. That's one thing, hurdle. We got to overcome that. Then the next hurdle is I quit my job. Now I'm, I'm living off this, you know, and my wife doesn't work too. We're all, we're living, this is great. And then the next hurdle is, wow, now I'm going to, I'm going to bring on employees or a staff or something else that's, that I'm going to contract, uh, that's gonna, which is Land Academy Pro anyway, more about that later. But so I can really be the owner and do all that. And it's scary. These little things can't, can be scary. And I'm here to tell you, don't worry about it. And that's a whole nother show. We well, that's the reason that. you surround yourself with people who've already done it. True. If they're scary. Yeah. We'll get you there. That's why you're listening. Let's take a look at another one of our favorite land acquisitions from our weekly Thursday member webinar. Owen County, 0.58 half acre. We have, we have paved asphalt access. Everybody's alive. Adjacent, depends on who you ask. <laughs> um, public, water, septic. There is an HOA um, that gives you access to the boat ramp. Purchase price, $2,000. Um, if I have to 20, let's see here. Thanks, so we can buy it for $2,000 and $2,600 in back taxes are coming with it. And thinks so we can sell it for 11,000. Is that working out for you? Not yet. Okay. Oh, it's bigger. One second. Okay, here's our concerns. You ready for this? Um, a is probably a red, huge red flag. Can't build on it because of a 25 foot setback requirement from the sides. That's good. You know that. Yeah. Very, very good. The first 75 feet is steep red flag number two, and then the land flattens out and a mobile home would have to be placed sideways. So you can get a mobile on it. Um, as long as the HOA allows mobiles. Have we seen mobiles in there? I can see that there's this gully here. There's going to be a, yeah. Okay. I had no land agents to get back to me because it's too small and the comps all have their own unique attributes. Um, would the land be too slick to get a mobile down to the flat area, even if a dirt road was bladed in? Seems like a good property. I'm not sure on the price next door. Uh, the prices range from five to $40,000. What are you seeing? Oh. So there's a variance of 20 feet. This has four red flags to it. Not there's an HOA. Yeah. Can't build a house, but maybe a uh, potentially a, a trailer. If it can handle that. If everything goes great, you're going to buy for um, probably ends up being three thousand dollars, and you're going to sell for eleven. You take this one. I would not play in this sandbox. Yeah. You know what? Here's 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 the reason why, Victor. You. I think your time is worth more than this. Mm, yeah, so do I. I think you can spend it on better deals. I think I've seen you present better deals. And all the questions we have, you're going to be hitting your head on your desk every time you're trying to overcome these hurdles with the next caller kind of thing for $11,000. That's what I think too. Yeah. You're better. You got better deals. That's what I think too. And I'm glad you brought it up. Okay. This is what Thursday's for. You, you, you already had your own concerns and you are correct. Totally agree. Yep. Hey, great. Um, awesome great presentation. Homework. Yeah, great homework. And I'm glad you filled out, figured all that out. Jill, you have something inspirational to share. I do. As you and I were driving around in the last several weeks, it hit me. I don't know if it hit you first or hit me first, but I realized I was born to do this. You know, <laughs> you, well, you and I were talking about, you're like, you realize you can, you can tell Jill and I have a we've been in the car together a lot. A lot. <laughs> a little too much. Here's the good news. 
The good news is um, we are we have a uh, a nice new class A. We have all of the um, Air Force One. You guys know what this is, and so we could hook up our Jeep. or you know with all uh, the Blue Ox and Air Force One. That's what we've got, so we can tow our Jeep, so we can s- travel in the same vehicle. Here's the bad news. We travel in the same vehicle. <laughs> so for a while, if you were if you were listening to us last year, you remember in the fall, we picked up a Jeep and I lovingly drove that thing 5,000 miles home behind you because we didn't have all the setup yet. We had we a different rig. We kind of missed each other. Yeah, it was really kind of okay. Not anymore. I was going to start my show back there, Jill <laughs> from the Jeep. It was really kind of cute. So that... That was we were talking about that. Anyway, so yeah, we do spend a little too much time together, but that's a whole that's another problem. Anyway, but we were talking about both of us at young ages saw the potential in real estate. So that's a whole that's one little piece of this. It's one thing to know that there's money to be made in real estate. I grew up in Orange County in Southern California. Duh. You know, my dad was a pilot, flew Don Cole around for a while. He many other people that he chartered and flew for. It's it was funny amazing. that you think anyone knows who that is. Well, there's one person listening right now, and it's my mom. Just kidding. <laughs> Just go ahead anyway. But you've noticed that people from Southern California say things and they expect the entire world to know, <laughs> to know what, what they that mean. is. Yeah. Oh, uh, Orange County. Where the hell is Orange County? I said Southern California. Were you not listening? Who the hell is Don Cole? Like, why would I? I I grew up in Detroit. I'll tell you. He was a major developer in Orange County and Newport Beach and Irvine around the way. I appreciate that. Do you need me to tell you where Irvine and Newport Beach is? Yes. Oh, well, the Southern California. In relation to Disneyland, because that's what everybody knows. Oh, great. Okay. 20 minutes south. Thank you. On the five, let's say. Do you need more than that? No. Oh, okay. Got it. It's close to Disneyland on the coast. That's okay. where it is. All right. There we go. I can show you. Um, all right. Anyway. So back to that. So my point is, you know, I grew up in this area watching all this stuff being built around me. And I always knew, you know, wow, you know, there's money to be made in real estate. So that's that's the side note. But later on, I didn't I didn't know how much I would love land. That's what's so funny. So, you know, my one of my first, actually my first real full-time job that afforded me to move out on my own, which is working for some developers. And I didn't even then know how much I loved land. I just, I, I loved the work. I thought I just loved this environment. But, and I was learning to read blueprints because they were building things on the land and leasing it out. It was really interesting. Yeah, but I didn't know until now that we're just driving around. I just love looking at it. It's it's. I love getting out, standing on it. I love riding our bikes. I love the smells. I love the trees. I love the sounds. I love the wildlife, and I love acreage. So I know that at some point, every time we find a really beautiful big piece of land that we think we could keep for long term. I get an offer and I end up selling it. So, but someday. But the motivation there to buy it at that price was all in your soul. Oh yeah, it's in mine too. I just love it. You know what it is? Because if it all goes, look, if it all goes sideways, I have all this great land. We, which is we. By the way, we've been there before. Yeah. Lord knows we've been through recessions before, even together. That we know how to. We buy it so well. And we, and if I have to sell it for less than what I thought I was going to sell it for, that's okay. I'm still making money and keeping food on the table. That's the thing here. But my point is, I just love this. I love land. I love driving around. I love looking at it. I never get tired of it. It's it's amazing to me. I can I can stand on 
any piece of dirt and find something beautiful about it. I don't care where it is or what it is. I'll find something great. I love land. I mean, we're in the middle of Rocky Mountains right now. Yeah. Both of us, our jaws are dropped every morning. Overly dreamy. Until the sun goes down, we're like, I can't believe. Mm -hmm. We're land people. Mm -hmm. We also uh, are no, we don't necessarily dislike creating a ton of money for each other. Yeah. How about you? Do you have something manplan.com-ish you want to share with us? Yeah. My uh, my title today is Pinching Pennies on Your Way Up to Fortune. Is that good? Well, here's what I think. And I can tell you from personal experience, Jill and I, um, I made a small fortune, uh, got cut down to size during the, la- the 2008, 2009 recession. Jill and I joined forces and, and uh, rebuilt it all. And I can tell you that saving money personally, so not, you know, driving a real old car, uh, I think is a great idea. Um, You know, not having a mortgage and not paying rent because you own real estate that you can live in, in these situations and and pinching pennies on a personal side is very, very smart. Pinching pennies on a business, from a business perspective is a really bad idea. Uh, I think that there's a, there's a several comments uh, from very new people in discord about sending out 400 unit mailers to test everything. Hmm. And I want to be really clear about this. This is a really bad idea. I agree. And I'll be full disclosure. Jill and I own the printing company. So uh, that where you offers to owners where people send these offers out and it's not, not 1% of what I'm saying is profit motivated because we have tons of customers in offer O2O that send out 10 and 20,000 unit mailers every single month. So your 400 unit mailer versus a 4,000 unit mailer a month isn't going to change anything at O2O. So that's not financially motivated for me to say this. But spending money on a 400 unit mailer to just make yourself feel okay is is not a good plan. Mm-hmm. You, you are not going to get the results that you want. It's going to discourage you and you're going to feel like you wasted money. You want to send out at least, I think, in the beginning, 5,000 units, not uh, pinching pennies on this. Buy a piece of property, resell it, and it's going to, the light bulb will go off your head. The light bulb's going to go off over your head about how this is what you want to do for the rest of your life. Or you're going to say, the five components to this thing suck, and I don't want to do it anymore. And either way, you won. Mm -hmm. But if you send out a 400 unit mailer, nothing's going to happen. And you're going to get very, very discouraged. So pinching pennies on things. All businesses have this. If you start a convenience store, you're going to have to go buy a ton of inventory, sign a big, huge lease or buy a building, set up racks. And uh, there's all kinds of upfront expense. There's no business that I know of that has so few upfront expenses than buying and selling land. And so if if you're so budget conscious that you can't send out consistently send out 5,000 units a month, uh, I understand that. We've all been there. This is not the right time for you to do this. I don't want you to fail. I agree. Thank you. That was awesome. Hey, by the way, don't forget, you can reach us for questions and help simply by texting 480-530-7383. Join us next Wednesday for another interesting episode. You are not alone in your real estate ambition. We, we are, are Jack, Jack and Jill. Jill. Information and inspiration to buy undervalued property. <laughs>